As part of this service, I followed in Jeff's footsteps and made my way up to our elementary classroom and um, perhaps to my benefit or perhaps to my detriment, let them choose three words for me um, to try to incorporate into my sermon. One clap, thank you. Um, my um, three words for today, the first one is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, which um, just for, again, for your um, edification here, it had been so long since I had seen this movie or heard this word, and so I felt like I had to at least show you a tiny clip of it. Um, so here you go. This is how we go. That's right. So one, they definitely don't make movies like that anymore. Uh, and two, I'm just convinced that movies don't have enough like umbrella cane dancing action going on anymore. Um, okay, so that's my first word, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. My second word is um, Gandalf. Uh, if you don't know Gandalf, he is um, the great wizard from the Lord of the Rings series. Um, kudos to whoever's kid gave me this word. Uh, and my third word is karate. Um, which is a sport I have never attempted and am probably not very good at. Um, but when you hear any of these three words, that's your cue um, to just clap it up. If you want to jump out of your seat, if you want to get the blood moving, whatever it is, that's your cue. Um, do you think we can do that? Okay, let's just like do a, a quick practice, right? Let's just say um, I'm up here and I say karate. Okay, okay, it's gonna be a good day. All right, so um, today we are taking a little pause from our series in Acts, and we are looking at um, two times that Jesus has an encounter with, um, with his disciples and with the sea, right? Jesus and his disciples and the sea. Right, and I think when we look at these two stories together, they're two stories I'm sure that you've probably heard before, but when we look at them together, uh, maybe we'll see something we haven't noticed before. So um, we're going to start in Matthew 8, um, in verse uh, 23, and this is when Jesus is on a boat with his disciples, and Jesus calms um, the storm. So turn with me to um, Matthew 8. Again, we're going to start in verse 23, and um, I'll read here for us. It says, when he, Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing, Right, so keep in mind real quick, these are guys um, with Jesus who were like professional fishermen, right? They had spent tons of time on the sea, and um, they are the ones who realize this storm is so bad, right, so crazy, we're going down with the ship, right? We've, we've spent our time worrying, we've spent our time doing what we can, it's over, and Jesus is taking a nap. 
right? They're in like a high stress situation, like, oh no, we're gonna die. And their pal Jesus is just down there sleeping. And there's some part of them that goes, we, like, we gotta wake him up. Lord, Lord, save us, we're perishing. Verse 26, and he, Jesus said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose, right? He got up from his nap and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? Right, so first look at Jesus' response there. Right? He says, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Right, it's sort of like a... Did, did you forget who you were with here? Did you forget what was going on, right? It, yes, I was napping, but it was me in the boat. And the sea, right, it's this scary, uncontrollable thing. And Jesus right, wakes up from a nap, walks to the edge of the boat, and it says, we don't get his exact words, but it says he rebukes it. He says, hey, calm down. And the storm that was so crazy that it was going to capsize this ship and they were all going to go down, that storm just went, when Jesus says, it says, then there's a great calm. The giant waves stop. The crazy wind stops. All because Jesus got up and told it to. And the men's response, when they see this, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Right, there's some part of them that goes like, oh my gosh, this guy's so powerful. Is this Gandalf? I will tell you, when Jeff did this last time, I was like, really, you couldn't find a way to work in Oompa Loompa? You had to just like say it at the end? And then as soon as you're like studying the Bible and trying to proclaim it faithfully and you're like, I got to work these words in? Oh my gosh. So Jeff, publicly, I'm sorry. Um, yes, thank you. Um, okay, so it's not Gandalf though, right? Just to be clear, it's not Gandalf. It's Jesus. Oh yeah, sorry. Okay, there we go. Yeah, we're, we're good. Okay. It's, it's not him, right? It's, um, it's Jesus, but they see how powerful he is. And they don't exactly quite know what to do with it yet, right? Their response is like, what, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Okay, well, after this story, right, Jesus' disciples continue to follow him around, right? They're spending time with Jesus. They see him heal people. They watch him raise a girl from the dead. He heals people who are blind. He heals someone who couldn't speak, right? He takes time to teach people about God and is, is teaching the scriptures in a way that they um, had never like heard or even seen before. And all of a sudden, um, what's happening right before this next scene is Jesus feeds um, over 5,000 people right, with five loaves and two fish. So the disciples have all this time where they're seeing Jesus do like thing after thing after thing. Now turn over in your Bible to Matthew 14. Right, this is just a few chapters later. 
This is Matthew 14, and in verse, uh, we're going to start in verse 22. So this is right after the feeding of the 5,000, verse 22 in Matthew 14. It says, immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a, a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Right? Okay, so just the scene, right? The whole crowd is here, just fed them, had just finished teaching them. Jesus says, you guys go on ahead. I'm going to um, stay here, dismiss them. He lets them go. He goes up on the mountain to pray. And then there's sort of this situation where Jesus sent his disciples on the boat and said, hey, I'll catch up with you. Jesus is on land. They're on a boat. Okay, so verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, this is like the late night, real early morning, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Right, so this time, the disciples, they're not afraid of the, st the storm and the wind and the waves around them. This time, they're scared because they see someone in the water, right? And there's nothing in their minds that goes like, could that be Jesus? Because, like, people don't walk on water, right? The reason they think it's a ghost is because no one walks on water. Clearly, it's some like floating thing person. But what, what I actually love and appreciate here is Jesus, he, uh, he doesn't mess with them, right? He doesn't like, woo, right? Jesus isn't like, uh, he's not taking his time. It says as soon as he's out there and he sees that they're afraid, it says, immediately he spoke to them saying, take heart, it's, it's me. You don't need to be afraid. Right? He reassures them in the midst of their fear, hey, it's me. You're okay. Peter, you got to love Peter, in verse 28, gives Jesus just, I don't know, sort of this challenge. Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you... Command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, he said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Right? I don't, I don't get this, right? If this was me in the boat, I'd be like, Jesus, get in here, dude. You're, you're going to sink. But instead, Peter says, hey, why don't you invite me out there? So Jesus said, yeah, come. And Peter walks on water too. We're going to come back to that in a minute here, but let's finish out our passage here. Verse 30. But when he, this time it's Peter, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. 
Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's almost here like, this, like the story was going too well, right? Jesus is walking on water. Peter says, hey, invite me out too. And so Peter then gets to walk on water and it's like, okay, things are good. And then Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. He takes his eyes off of Jesus, sees the wind and the waves around him and does what we would all expect to happen on that first step out of the boat. He starts to sink, right? He's going down. But he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And again, right away, right away, Jesus grabs his hand, pulls him back up, and says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Again, did, did you forget who you were standing next to? Did you forget who was with you out here? So verse 32, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Right, so when we look at these two passages together, we have the Matthew 8, Jesus um, calming the storm, and Matthew 14, Jesus walking on water, look at, um, look at the comparison here in these two verses. Right, Jesus' response in 826 is, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And after the calming of the storm, they marvel saying, what sort of man is this? Right, that even the winds and the sea obey him. And then after they spend more time with Jesus, after they see more of who he is, they hear him teach, they see what he can do. In Matthew 14, we have this similar structure where Jesus, right, Peter's sinking, and Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And after seeing this, the disciples' response is, um, truly you are the Son of God. So there's something unique, right, something special about this, um, not only their time with Jesus, but these interactions with him on the sea where they realize he really must be God. And so as I look at these two passages, I think there's two main things that um, God wants us to pull away from this, right? That God wants us to see um, that I hope is not lost on us this morning. The first is that Jesus is Lord over all things, right? Jesus is Lord over all things. On a surface level, I think um, particularly for anyone in this room who's uh, been reading their Bible for a long time, if you've grown up in church, um, we can kind of breeze right over in these passages the idea, like the reality that Jesus was like a real human being who was God who could speak and the storm, the raging storm would stop. Right, who, who not as just sort of like some weird party trick, but as like a display of his power and authority over all things could walk on water and could invite someone else to join him. I'll, uh, I don't know that I'll ever forget. I was walking through this passage. Um, I have three young daughters and my oldest and I were um, about a year ago, like 
you know, we're reading through the Bible, we're going through stories about Jesus. And I remember we got to um, this one in Matthew 14. And I remember we're reading through the story and um, again, to my, to my detriment here, right? I'm just kind of reading through, right? Like, yep, yep. Um, and then Jesus, right, he uh, walks out on the water and his disciples saw him and they were scared. And then Peter, and you know, they, he walks out and I'm like, yeah, you know, so that's the story of Jesus walking on water. And Eliza, that's my daughter's name, her face was like, like she couldn't believe what I was saying. And it, it like took me a minute, like, okay, did I say something weird? What's going on? And it's processing in her mind, right? She was um, like scared to death of storms and she was just barely learning how to swim, right? We had one of those pools where like she could touch and it was like this high on her and she'd like try to swim but like wasn't really going very well for her yet. And so she reads this, we read this story and she's like, wait a minute. I can barely swim and Jesus can walk on water? Right? And I'm sitting there like, wow, yeah, yeah. Jesus can walk on water. Right? The thing, the very thing that like no one can do, right? I'm sure there's like magicians who've like tried to illusion their way into this, but no one can walk on water, but Jesus can. Right? If Eliza had seen the movie and can say the word, she would have said, Dad, this is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I've never had to use that word in a sentence. Just for your reference, if you're ever feeling like using it, it means exceedingly good or wonderful. Right, so like the idea that Jesus, the reality that Jesus can walk on water, like how incredible is that? That's a display that he is Lord over all things. And as we, like, as we keep reading through that passage, we, wait a minute, Peter can walk on water too? And you can see like the gears turning in Eliza's mind and she's like, wait a minute, because Jesus can do it. And I'm like, yes, you are, like, the truth hit her in a way that it hadn't hit me in a long, long time. I'm so used to breezing through stories sometimes that it's just like, yep, I've heard that one, I've heard that one, I've heard that one, I've heard that one, yep, I remember that about Jesus. But I think this is why Jesus said he loved spending so much time around kids, because they were ones who could see him for who he really was. Things didn't get old to them. Things were amazing. They realized the goodness and power of God. And so it was this simple recognition, right, that, that Jesus is Lord over all things. That if Jesus wants to walk on water, he can walk on water. If he wants the storm to calm, he can say, stop, and it stops. Jesus is God and all things are under his control, right? Colossians 1 tells us that all things were created by, through, and for Jesus and that he holds all things together, right? Ephesians 1 tells us he's above every rule, authority, power, and domain, right? Matthew 28 tells us all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Philippians 2 tells us every knee will bow before Jesus, 
There is no doubt that Jesus is Lord over all things. All right, and Peter, he was doing just fine until he took his eyes off of Jesus. Right? He got distracted by the wind and the waves and forgot that he was standing next to the one who controls all things. Now, um, unfortunately, none of us are probably getting the invitation to walk out on water, but there are still times where we step out in something, right, and we get scared, right? We take our eyes off of Jesus. We think a problem is too big for him. But again, as I was thinking through these truths this week, right, it's like if Jesus can calm a literal storm, why are we afraid that he can't handle the hard things going on in our lives, right, the hard things that our families go through? If Jesus can heal the sick, why are we afraid that he can't heal, right, our hearts, our minds, our bodies? If Jesus can open the eyes of the blind, Right? Why are we afraid that he can't fix a situation going on in our school or with our friends? Right? If one day people from every tribe, tongue, and nation are going to be praising God, like why are we afraid that we can't see that in our city right now? Right? If Jesus can live a perfect life, never sin, and sacrifice himself for us, what makes us think that anything's going to get in the way of his love for us? It's because we don't always get it right. Even though we know, we, we intellectually, like in our heads, we believe and understand that God loves us and he's gonna take care of us. We still get scared. We still get anxious. We try to fix our problems ourselves and make it worse somehow. But here's the second thing. Every failure is a chance to cry out to Jesus for help, right? Every failure is a chance to cry out to Jesus for help. What we see in this passage in Matthew 14 is that when Peter realizes he's going down, when he's sinking into the water, he knows Jesus is the only one who can save me right now. And he cries out for help. Right? Peter's failure here, it's an immediate opportunity to ask God for help. And I don't, I don't know all of you, your stories perfectly well, but I bet you that um, there's something inside all of us um, called sin that when you, um, when you say something you shouldn't, when you think about something you shouldn't, when you um, do something you shouldn't, there's something inside of you that goes, that was wrong, and I should try my best to pretend like that never happened. I should try my best to tuck that away and just hide it from everybody, right? Maybe God sees all things, but I sure hope he didn't see that. And so we just hide our sin, we try to tuck it away, and we try to pretend like it doesn't exist and hope that it will go away. But what's really interesting to me is that Peter in this moment, right, he, there's, there's no hiding what's going on for Peter, 
right? He's sinking, and maybe there's something inside of him for a split second that was like, this is what I deserve. I'm going down. But he doesn't. It says he cries out for help, and Jesus says, again, immediately grabs his hand and pulls him back up. I think there's something, again, inside of us, maybe, that goes, yeah, but, but Jesus, you don't know what I've done, right? You don't know the stuff that I've done. You don't know the, my, you don't know my thought life. You don't know the thing I said to that person the other day, right? Again, there's, there's something about us here that, like, thinks maybe, maybe for us, Jesus would kind of stand there and let you, like, get a little taste of salt water, right, before he, like, pulls you back up, right? Jesus would kind of mess with you and be like, okay, I'm going to let him go down a little bit and not reach really far down and pull him back up. Some part of us <laughs> that thinks Jesus, right, standing there on the water, you're sinking down there, is going to bust out some kind of karate move. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And send you down deep. But he doesn't do that. He immediately pulls Peter back up and saves him. But the reason why the karate kick and the Jesus letting you drown. And... I got to tell second service, you only have to do it the first time. That's what... <laughs> when, uh, when G... you know, the reason that is ridiculous is because... Um, because this is the guy, Jesus, the guy who lived a perfect life, who sacrificed himself to die in your place, right? Remember, the whole, the whole thing about being a Christian is that you don't have what it takes. You can't do it on your own. You'll never meet the standard of perfection, and so what it means to be a Christian is to, to actually realize that and say, God, I need you. I do. I do deserve to die because of my sin. I do deserve to drown in that sea. But the call for followers of Jesus is to cry out for help, to cry out to Jesus and say, save me. And he's not standing there waiting to punish you. He's not standing to wait there to laugh at you. How dare you reach out for help? He's standing there to immediately grab your hand, pull you back up, and say, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And so I believe that's the call for us. The call for us is to remember that Jesus is Lord over all things and to trust him with all things, to surrender all things to him. But in those moments where we doubt, where we mess up, where we don't get it right, you don't hide it, you don't tuck it away, you immediately turn back to Jesus and cry out for help and say, Lord, save me. And he will. Let me pray. God, we, we are so thankful for you and for your word and for your love for us, that you're not a far off God who's like hiding somewhere in the distance, but you're close to us. 
God, I know that there's tons of different things going on in everyone's life in this room, and it's really hard to trust you at times. But God, I pray you'd teach us to trust you more, teach us to surrender things more and more to you. And God, in those moments where we, we just, I know that we won't get it right, God, would you help us come to you? Would you help us cry out to you and say, Jesus, save me? Because we know that you're a forgiving God who loves your children. And so we pray you do that in our hearts and minds this week. God, we love you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.